Here's the 30-second lesson on what legends know. Never practice nunchucks in a crowded room. Never eat chole before a road trip. Always take your shirt off before you iron it. Don't take a call near a swimming pool. And don't forget, saving is not investing. Legends don't just save, they invest in mutual funds. Mutual fund investments are subject to market risks. Read all scheme-related documents carefully. As you would expect, we are today talking about the Supreme Court order. I would say the spectacular Supreme Court order, the five-judge order, unanimous on the electoral bonds. So what have they done? They have unanimously struck down the anonymous electoral bonds. They were not named to be anonymous electoral bonds. They were just called electoral bonds. Anonymous was just the, just the character that was given to them in 2017 when the Modi government brought in the laws and amendments to laws to enable the, these bonds. It is just that at the point when they brought in these bonds, they, they said that these bonds would be completely wrapped in anonymity. That means nobody will know which company or which corporate or which contributor is given how much money to which party that's one second nobody nobody within the company no shareholders nobody will know in within the company to whom has the company given how much money so suppose a company gave a hundred crore rupees all it was now meant to put in its disclosures was the fact that it had paid hundred crores towards political contributions even to its shareholders to regulators to anybody to the media it was not supposed to tell where has it allocated its money maybe 99 crores to one party one crore to the other maybe 50 50 to two parties nobody had any idea so this brought in a regime of total secrecy anonymity the idea then was and some of us also in good faith supported this because we supported this in the sense that look it's okay, good is, best is not the enemy of good. You are not getting an ideal situation, but it's an improvement over what existed earlier. In fact, that is what Bajian Panda, BJP MP and leader, and, and a very bright BJP uh, young leader, who's now been put in charge of BJP's election campaign in, in Uttar Pradesh, he has said in his tweets also, he has said that, best, that the best has become an enemy of the good. Now, we had thought at that point, even I had thought editorially that, look, this is, this is not the best solution, but it's a better solution. It's less worse than what existed, existed earlier. Earlier, nobody knew who was giving money to whom in any case, but nobody even knew where that money was coming from. So a smuggler could give a party any amount of money in cash, in suitcases, and that stuff had gone on and on. So we thought that this was a beginning and Arun Jaitley, who had moved these amendments, had also reasoned with many of us. In fact, he had reached out to many of us, commentators, journalists, editors, to say that, look, this is the first step. It's not our intention to keep this anonymous. This is the first step. Let this get started. In the course of time, maybe six months, one year, one and a half years, we will bring in transparency. The idea is not to keep it anonymous forever. However, it's now been six years since, seven years since the amendment to the laws, all the laws that were amended. I will give you a listing of the laws as we go along. 
That happened in 2017 with the budget, which again was a contentious issue that could you bring in all these changes, amendments to Companies Act, Income Tax Act, you can understand, Companies Act, Representation of People Act, etc., etc. Could you bring in all these amendments through the Finance Bill? One purpose of bringing it through the Finance Bill also at that point was that you don't have to go to Rajya Sabha to have it passed because Finance Bills have that protection. If the Lok Sabha passes them, you are all right. That was challenge too. So it's been seven years since the amendments, six years since the government floated the bonds. So the bonds were floated, electoral bonds, and, and the rules were made as well. That happened in 2018. It is obvious that that was done at that point, keeping in mind the needs for political funding for the coming 2019 elections. Now, once again, you might have thought that this is better than people taking money in suitcases, and it was better than keeping uh, than people taking money in suitcases. But while it was better than what was there in the past, it was again not clear, and increasingly it became clear. As it became clear, you figured how dangerous it was and how ill-motivated it was as to why this anonymity was not only not being changed, but actually was being strengthened and defended. So how did these bonds work? Once again, we have featured <coughs> anonymous electoral bonds in two or three earlier episodes of Karta Clutter. You go to State Bank of India, only one bank, you go to State Bank of India, you buy these bonds. The bank doesn't want to know who you are giving these to and you don't have to tell the bond. You just have to transfer money from your regular account, your taxpayer account, which is very nice, excellent. So this is clean money and buy these bonds. When you buy these bonds, these bonds do not carry, once again, they do not carry either the bearer's name, that means jisko aap de hai, whoever you are paying, that name doesn't appear, nor does it carry the payee's name, nor does it carry your name. So you can actually carry these bonds and give them to anybody and they can fill up their name. Nobody will know what happened except one entity will know and that entity is State Bank of India. State Bank of India is also owned by the government of India. So effectively, while this total anonymity will remain, there will be no public scrutiny, no debate, no nothing. A voter will not know that I'm voting for such and such party. Did the such and such party get so much money from so and so and made this policy, right? Maybe so much money from such and such industry or such and such corporate and maybe increased import duties on such and such products or such and such commodities. There was no way the voter would know any of that. At the same time, the government would know who has paid how much money to which party, especially the opposition party. So once again, anybody paying money to any of the opposition parties will now be afraid that, look, the government knows who I am paying to. At the same time, anybody who is paying to the government Nobody outside of the government or outside of the ruling party knows who is, who is paying them. So that is how this completely unfair situation came up. And it seems that while initially the idea might have been that in the course of time this anonymity will be reduced or maybe it will be taken away because that anonymity militates against the principle of transparency. Contrary to that, it looks like the government fell in love with the idea of anonymity. And as these bonds were challenged in the Supreme Court. The government actually went out to strongly defend these and also the principle of anonymity. And why did they defend the principle of anonymity? They defended it 
by saying that see so far black money was coming into politics this way there will be no black money and why should there be no transparency no anonymity oh you have right to information yes we know article 911 you have the right to information i am now i am now summarizing for you the supreme court judgment also which is by the way beautifully well written it's very succinctly written in fact some of the supreme court judgments these days i find it's a pleasure to read them they are still long this one is 232 pages of the main judgment and 74 pages of a slightly different judgment by one of the judges it's a unanimous judgment by a bench of five judges one of whom is the chief justice of india now and three of the remaining four in the course of time if the current line of succession prevails will also rise to become chief justices of india so this is a very high powered bench it's a very well written order in this justice sanjeev khanna has written a separate order coming to the same conclusion but using a slightly different line of argument so i am not going there i am just i am just summarizing the judgment for you the government's argument was under our constitution article 191 gives the citizen the right to information particularly what's happening in my government how some policies are being made etc etc but this is also constrained or restricted by some of the requirements of article 192 so 192 says some information you have right to information or freedom of speech right to information but there are some restrictions which may come from needs of national security and stuff like that so the government said that the so the government argued that the need to prevent the entry of black money in politics should be one of these reasons also now how does that help it's difficult for me to understand and that's why since it became clear by 2018 19 that the government now was not going to get off this curve that they were going to continue to insist on total anonymity that our editorial view also changed accordingly and since then we've been very critical of the supreme court one because it, in april when the first challenge to the bonds came up the supreme court bench then headed by justice gogoi that said that look this these are very complex issues we'll have to go into them in detail there is not enough time general elections are taking place next month so one we will put it off until the elections are over and second we will not even give a stay because there are many complex issues that we thought and i thought also and i wrote about it and spoke about it was a cop out a classical cop out you don't want to take a decision on something you don't don't want to take a call on something you just kick the can down the road and that's what was done and it's been done since then like that by successive benches of the supreme court finally finally this judgment was written it was kept it was kept reserved and now it's been made public it's been delivered as i told you this order is 232 pages including 74 pages of a separate uh, separate argument written by justice khanna so the good thing is that we also have with us some kind of a summary because chief justice of india justice dy chandrachud he read out a summary as he delivered the order that if you print it out if you record it if you print it out will not be more than 12 14 pages what we have done so far it looks like 14 double space pages so it isn't that much text makes it that much more comprehensible so what i will do is i will share with you the full judgment of the supreme court but also a link 
of when he is delivering his summary of the judgment. Now, what is it that the court was looking at? So, court was looking at two different aspects. There were a bunch of petitions. The petitioners were led by Association of Democratic Reform. Hats off to them. They've done such a wonderful job. They've doggedly stuck with this case and finally won it. So they will, they will now be hailed as the great among the great warriors for Indian democracy and constitutional rights. So first question was whether the non-disclosure of information and voluntary contributions to political parties according to the electoral bond scheme and the amendments to several laws. I told you that in 2017 with the budget, with the Finance Act, with the new budget, government amended many laws. So this lists electoral bond scheme and amendments to section 29C of Representation of People Act, section 182.3 of the Companies Act, section 13A brackets B of the Income Tax Act, whether these are violative of the right to information of citizens guaranteed under Article 19.1A of the Constitution. That's what I talked about just a couple of minutes back. And second question, whether unlimited corporate funding to political parties as envisaged by the amendment to Section 182.1 of the Companies Act, whether this violates the principle of free and fair elections, Article 14 of the Constitution, as we know, gives us all the right to equality. Now, if one party gets so much money from some company or some companies and we know nothing about it, right, then there is no right to equality because the electoral process becomes unequal. That was, that was the argument before the court. Then the court lists the issues before it. Number one, whether the right to information guaranteed by Article 19.1a includes includes the information of financial contributions made to political parties, that is easy to resolve because judges said that if voters have the right, citizens have the right to know about their candidates, candidates belong to political parties, political party is very much an accepted democratic institution. So if they have the right to have information on the candidates, for example, how many criminal cases or loan defaults does a candidate have, they also have the right to know about what's happening with their political parties. That is easily handled. Then the judge is going to say that the government also has a counter-argument. The government's counter-argument is that before this, black money was coming in. So while citizens might claim their rights, rights to information un un under Article 19.1a, these should be curtailed under Article 19.2 because curbing black money, which is what these electoral bonds would do. They may be anonymous, but this money will come through regular banking channels from companies' tax-paid money, which is subject to a lot of due diligence. So where is the problem? This is a reform. So to protect this reform, we have to keep this anonymity. What the judges have done is, judges have said there are three prongs, or three prongs of this argument. One prong is whether this is violative of the right to information. On the first prong, the government says that, look, while the judges, while the citizens might claim the right to information, but Article 19.2 places reasonable restrictions for certain purposes or certain objectives, one of which in this case can be curbing of black money, curbing the infiltration of black money into our political system. The judges say that's an interesting idea. But we don't think that this follows from Article 19.2 that curbing of black money cannot be extrapolated 
to that argument to the requirements or to the restrictions under article 192 so they reject that one then they say that they are balancing they are balancing two things i am now summarizing this very broadly they are balancing two things one is the right to information that is your and my right to information i should know which uh, which company is giving how much money to which party and then i can see what that party's decisions have been is there a quid pro quo is there a nexus that's my right at the same time at the same time as a citizen it's also my right to protect the privacy of my political views my political views or my political commitments because the judges accept this and they say in the order yes it will be disastrous in fact the expression they use is it will be catastrophic if, if people find out if governments find out what a citizens political views or views are it can lead to victimization at the maximum it could lead to gerrymandering of constituencies uh, at at another level it could have many consequences so yes a citizen has the right to confidentiality or secrecy or anonymity when it comes to their political views but that does not apply to companies because companies do not make these large contributions out of their political commitments they make these large contributions because they have other other fish to fry so they say this can lead to quid pro quo this can lead to money politics nexus so this protection should not apply to companies and this protection in any case should only apply to those who contribute up to 20000 rupees individually to a political party or to a political purpose because with 20000 rupees you cannot influence policy so they say that we are balancing the two and as we balance ba balance the two there are arguments on both sides as we balance the two we believe that any contributions above say 20000 rupees should not get the benefit of anonymity so the question of whether the infringement of right to information of the voter is justified for the purpose of protecting donor privacy that is handled quite decisively and tossed by the judges then they come to some interesting interesting lines and i will quote a couple of lines from the order financial contributions to political parties are usually made for two reasons first they may constitute an expression of support to political party and second the contribution may be based on a quid pro quo the law as it currently stands permits contribution to political parties by both corporations and individuals the huge political contributions made by corporations and companies should not be allowed to conceal the reason for financial contributions made by another section of the population so they say a student a daily wage worker an artist or a teacher that's what the judges say if they make a little contribution they should be entitled to anonymity but not corporates and others who make larger larger contributions so how how the court explains this is the principle of double proportionality because one side had has one demand of knowledge of information the other side has demand of privacy both have justification so how how have they assessed this they have applied the principle of double proportionality so they say and i quote from the order now we have applied the double proportionality standard to balance the conflicting rights rights of the right to information and right to informational privacy the constitution does not establish a hierarchy between the right to information guaranteed under article 191a and the right to informational privacy to political affiliation traceable to article 191a b c and article 21 article 21 is my right to or your right to life and liberty under indian constitution 
then they demolish the government's argument. The government's argument is that one of the sub-clauses of electoral bond scheme, that is clause 7-4, that balances the right of information of the voter and right to informational privacy of the, of the donor. And they give a long explanation as to why they don't find it acceptable. And I will just read out a line or two for you. They say, the suitability prong of the proportionality standard is only partly fulfilled. The non-disclosure of information grants anonymity to the contributor, thereby protecting information privacy. However, there is no nexus between the balancing measure adopted with the purpose of disclosure of information to the voter. According to Clause 7.4 of the Electoral Bond Scheme and the amendments, the information about contributions made through the Electoral Bond Scheme is exempted from the disclosure requirements. This information is never, emphasis the judges, this information is never disclosed to the voter. The purpose of securing information about political funding cannot be fulfilled by absolute non-disclosure. And this means that this argument by the government that, that this bit of anonymity should be allowed was dead on arrival. This has been rejected completely. And then the judges say, if your idea is just to prevent the entry of black money, you can do it through a hundred ways. You can say that, that contributions can only be by check, they can only be by bank transfer, they can be by electronic transfer, they can be by digital transfer, UBI say bejo. Where is the problem? Maybe I'm adding that, judges didn't say that. You are promoting UPI so much, why aren't you taking contributions from UPI? You can track it all. The reason you are digitizing the economy and you had demonetization, this is now opinion that I'm adding, and demonetization is that you wanted people to come into the formal system of finance, right? The same system can be followed by companies for political contributions that will become transparent because you want people to come into this system so the tax people, other authorities will be able to trace the source of money. This can be done very easily in the case of companies' contributions to political parties also. You don't need this elaborate charade of anonymity to make that possible and the judges make that argument also. Then they come to the next point, whether the amendment to section 182.3 of the Companies Act is constitutional. Now this was also a very interesting amendment. If you go back, there's a history going back to 19, there's a history going back to 1950s and amendments in 1969, 1985, 2013, we got a new Companies Act. So there was a provision in the Companies Act that allowed political parties to contribute some amount of their profits, only profits, to a political party or to political parties of their choice. Now, in 1969, this, this, this clause was struck down. 1969 is when Mrs. Gandhi went on to her leftward lurch. And which prime minister brought it back? Her son, Rajiv Gandhi, brought it back in 1985, right? Because might have thought that, look, not enough money is coming in. In any case, I've got 415 seats in parliament. Who else will get any money? So they brought this provision back. And that provision said that a company is limited by this law to contributing no more than 5% of its average profit of the previous three years. That, in the course of time, was made 7.5%. And a violation of this drew punishment. Initially, it was three times of the amount contributed. Then it became five times of the amount contributed. Then it also became a criminal offense. So the key personnel of the company could be sent to jail for three years. So that became quite a restraint on companies to break this. 
what Modi government's amendments that came in with the anonymous electoral bonds did was to make wide amendments to Companies Act. First of all, taking away all limitation to how much a company could company could contribute. Now a company could contribute all its profits. In fact, a company could profit could in fact even a loss-making company could now make contributions to a political party. And the judges take note of that. Judges say that the misuse, the possibility of misuse and quid pro quo could actually be much greater in the case of a loss-making company. Think of a loss-making company. Let me not name the company. Let me just say company B, company by the name B, right? Which is today having a tough time in ed tech business. Ed tech is a heavily regulated business where there are lots of questions, there are lots of issues, which depends heavily on government policy. That company has been suffering losses, but but company has money in the bank because many of these companies have because many of these companies might have enormous amounts of private equity money sitting in the bank, right? So cash flow is not a problem, profits are a problem, losses are not a problem when it comes to making a political contribution. So a company could make a large amount of contribution if it wants policy change. I'm not saying any such thing has happened. I'm just giving you a possibility because the judges have said that this could be this could be much more open to misuse by loss-making companies. The company could make a large amount of contribution as an investment in the government to get some policy change. So the company's fortunes will turn. That is the point that the judges have caught on to. So this amendment allowed loss-making companies to contribute. And then, most importantly, this amendment also empowered the companies or gave them the freedom not to disclose to anybody not even in their annual profit and loss statement, how much money they contributed to whom, all they were now required to disclose was the total amount that they paid out to political contributions. So all of this the judges find incorrect and they've thrown it out. In fact, I've learned a new word from this judgment that is OTOs, O-T-I-O-S-E. I had to Google it. It's one of those, it's one of those things used in legal jargon, I suppose. It means completely infructuous irrelevant, impractical, not needed, etc., etc. Because the judges say that since we have already struck down the electoral bonds and all the amendments to the law made with it, all of these amendments also become infructuous. All of these are not needed. In fact, then there is a laundry list of everything that the judges have struck down. What all have the judges struck down? The electoral bond scheme, I'm reading for, from the order. It says the following are our conclusions. Electoral bond scheme. The proviso to Section 29C of the Representation of People Act, as amended in, in 2017, Section 182.3 of Companies Act, all of these had come in to make these bonds truly anonymous. These had not come in to make these bonds possible. All of these laws did not need to be amended if the idea was just to allow electoral bonds. It's only because the idea was to make them anonymous. That's why the amendment to the Representation of People Act, Companies Act. This also gave the political parties the freedom, freedom to not disclose. So political parties now did not have to disclose how much money they got from whom. And the money that they got from electoral bonds, they did not even have to keep an account of. They did not, they did not have they did not have to have it audited, etc. etc. So what happened was that in the name of transparency and also with the promise of keeping black money out, we had created a system that was entirely black. The whole system was a black box and that black box has now been broken by the judges. So electoral bond scheme is gone. 
all the amendments to section 29c1 of representation of people act of 1951 section 1823 of the companies act section 13ab of the income tax act all of these have been held violative of article 191a of the constitution and then they and then the judges issue directions and directions are quite unequivocal which means that these bonds stop as of today that within 2 weeks that's by march 6 these dates are fixed now by march 6 state bank has to give all details of all the money they have received from wherever and all the bonds that they have given they have given to the election commission of india by the way this was also part of the interim order issued by by justice gogoi's bench in april 2019 that state bank had to start giving this information it was then up to the election commission whether they wanted to disclose it or not it's actually a bit a bit, bit disappointing more than a bit disappointing that the election commission chose not to do it by itself when they had the power to do so if they had done it even their stature as as an institution would have risen as high as today the supreme court has risen but they chose not to do it now they've been ordered by the supreme court that within a week of the rest of the information coming to them by, from state bank of india that is within a week of march 6 date is fixed on march 13 all of this information has to be put on the website of the election commission of india when that happens and people like us and many people across the country journalists activists civil society members even even lawyers and even people of various political parties they will be they will be putting all that information under the microscope to also see if they can find any quid pro quo or any money politics or money policy nexus there so in conclusion just one minute of personal opinion all of us tend to complain too much we complain that is the nature of democracies we must complain because the way to keep democracies clean is to never accept that they are perfect it is to always say that they are wrong they are imperfect this is wrong that's wrong because without that the moment you say a democracy is perfect you become north korea okay north korea is extreme you become people's republic of china those are quote and quote perfect democracies the chinese issue a document every year saying that ours is the best democracy in the world so perfect democracies are like that in good democracies you must always keep complaining because complaining raises issues in that situation while we are caught with that syndrome which i consider healthy a moment arises every now and then when you say things are not so bad that something works in our democracy today with this judgment the supreme court has given us one of those moments